0: Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Safari Zoo News, your look at everything going on in the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and weird animal crap. Uh, And yeah, so tell you what, y'all, I am recording this episode starting um, late night, Wednesday, July 6th, and I am in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, had had the inkling to shoot on down to Cincy and and have myself a day and uh and that is what I did and uh it was it was quite a day first of all, got to start off by hanging out with uh our good buddy dr Aaron curry the the human, not the panda. that joke will never get old to me and probably just to me, but that's okay and um well, Hey, we had a lot of fun. She gave me a tour of the crew building. And if you don't quite know what I'm talking about right now, then you need to go back I guess, a couple of weeks and, and check out Dr. Curry's episode because uh, it's really cool. And, and talking about conservation science and what's being done at the Cincinnati zoo uh, is, is a lot of fun. Um, the, the crew building is really, really awesome. They've done some remodeling there right now. And, um, the, the intro area is very cool. You, uh, uh, you yeah okay so i'm not going to lie part of it is that they they conserve plants y'all and i don't know if you know this but plants are not animals Um, So I can't really tell you much about that because when uh, Dr. Curry was talking about it, I was dozing peacefully in the corner. Um, But no, actually, I had the chance to briefly meet the scientist who works on the plants stuff there. And we're hoping to do an episode uh, with her down the road. And there is a lot of really cool stuff that goes into plants and plant conservation. And um, it's just plants are... No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, and hopefully that episode does happen, and then uh, we all become convinced that plants are awesome too. They're just like animals that are stuck in the ground and have seeds. I I don't know. Anyway, um, but and there's also this awesome uh, there's a life size uh rhino. It's like not alive, but like uh, uh I, I don't know what it's made out of, but it's a replica. Replica is what I'm looking for of a rhinoceros, and um, you can. Do an ultrasound and uh it it was an interesting experience um i 'll post a pic on online but yeah my uh my arm was was buried pretty deep in a rhinoceros and, and while it was fake i i nice to like to to feel like I understand a little bit more about what uh what that experience is like and I was able to find some cool stuff including a baby rhino so their replica rhino is pregnant with a baby replica rhino I don't know what the due date is I know that normal rhinos have a really long gestation period and I'm guessing that replica ones have an even longer one but um yeah it was really fun and then Okay, so this next one's a little bit weird, but also kind of cool. Um, for those of you who are fans of the Cincinnati Zoo and have been been fans for a while, you may know that they had uh, the oldest living polar bear in captivity at the zoo for a long time, named a Little One. And um, Little One passed away due to age related things because, uh, like I said, he was old. And um, they actually have Little One taxidermied. In the front part of the crew building, uh I am uh, so this area is totally new and it's it's opening. They did a donor open tonight, and I believe it opens to the public tomorrow or this weekend. Um, I am curious to see what the reaction is to that. little one is a very beloved a uh, former animal at the Cincinnati Zoo. And I think it's really cool. And they are using little one to teach about the science that is being done at crew and how they're working to help save polar bears. And as I'm sure you'll remember from the episode, uh, that's Dr. Curry's main project. And um, I think it's a great teaching tool, but I do wonder if people will be a little taken aback to see a polar bear that they loved in life. Um, now, not so alive, But to me, I think it's cool. A, a big part of, you know, zoo animals is being an ambassador for their species and little one is continuing to do that even after crossing the Rainbow Bridge. And um, B, uh, he's still there, you know? Oftentimes I feel like, when an animal's gone, an animal's gone, and it's just sad. And here, an animal's gone, but also there, and it's sad, but also cool, maybe? I don't know. If you are a Cincy person, and you hear this, and you go and you check out um, Little One in his next iteration, if you will, uh, let me know what you think. But anyway, after all of that amazingness, a huge storm hit Cincinnati. We're talking huge, y'all. As a matter of fact, um, there were tornadoes. Uh, I know a Walgreens got hit directly by a tornado and some other buildings were destroyed and stuff. And so we ended up um, having to shelter in place in a building to ride out the storm and all of the power was lost. Now, the zoo, of course – has backup generators, so animals were safe and well taken care of. The staff is continually monitoring weather situations, so they knew this was happening. Animals were taken into their indoor areas or to, you know, whatever storm-safe areas they have. And um, every human and every animal at the zoo was totally fine. But it was really crazy to be told, we literally have to lock these doors and you cannot leave. And then the power went out. And, um, well, that made for a really interesting time to say the least. Uh, fortunately, Zoe uh, is here with me and was smart enough to say that she wanted ice cream right before this happened. So we ended up at, uh, the place that has the, the graders, greeters, graders. I think it's graders, ice cream, uh, with, with a scoop and, um, and just kind of hanging out. And it was a really, really good time. We actually got to hang out with a new hire, uh, as, uh that's part of the crew crew the crew crew yeah i'm going with that uh i wonder if they've ever thought of calling themselves that (laughs) anyway and uh we hung out and we talked and we talked science and we talked avatar the last airbender and pokemon and we're nerds y'all we're nerds but anyway the point is it was a really cool really unique experience and the zoo ended up having to close uh and and boot us all out but uh don't worry. I made sure to see some pandas on my way out. So it was a very good time. Uh, yeah, just another great trip to the Cincinnati zoo. And that is, uh, that's always a good time. Yeah. Kind of, kind of fun, kind of fun. So, uh, yeah, if you're here for the first time, you just heard me ramble about visiting a zoo for almost eight minutes. And uh, to you, I apologize. But you're probably going to come to like me and eventually care about this crap. And for the rest of you, now you know. Uh, and if this is your first time, please do remember that uh, this is a – well, you can't remember. It's your first time here. So let's try that again. If this is your first time listening to Rasafari Zoo News, then welcome. And uh, this is a crowd-sourced news story program type thing. I'm I'm doing well tonight, folks. I'm doing well. I just kind of hit record and I'm letting this run. Anyway, so this is crowdsourced. So um if you see something that is zoo newsworthy, go ahead and tag me in it at Rasafari on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Ross pod on the TikTok, or you can email it to me, Ross pod at gmail.com. And uh yeah, that's really all I have to say about that. So um Let's get to the actual news. One, two, three, four. Ow, oh, there's a pumpkin monkey. Tree kangaroo. Or a pinch around. news. Yeah. All right. So I mentioned, uh, sheltering in place in my Cincinnati story, but, uh, it turns out that for a much scarier reason, people had to shelter in place at the Brookfield zoo this week in Illinois. Um, and I'm sure it doesn't help that this was, you know, Brookfield's fairly close to where, uh, Oh, I don't know. One of the latest mass shootings in our country, uh, has taken place, but um at about five p m one evening when the zoo closes at six, a woman called the zoo and reported that she was planning on committing self-harm, but first planned to harm zoo guests. The zoo was quick to tell visitors to get inside buildings where they were then made to shelter in place until given an all clear by the police at eight pm, two hours after the zoo was supposed to close, and um fortunately, Nobody was harmed. Uh, they have not announced any details about whether the woman was found or not, or whether this was a prank, not entirely sure at this time what was going on. Um, I will update if if there's more information, but this is one of those things that you don 't really think about when you think you know zoos, you think animals, you might even think about the weather stuff, especially if you've listened to episodes from like the Naples Zoo where they talked about you know hurricanes happen sometimes um, but yeah, they have to drill for all kinds of. Really intense stuff, and uh, they, they were already on high alert in that area when this call came in. So the zoo staff did an incredible job of keeping everybody calm and getting them into buildings and keeping them safe until they were cleared to leave. Uh, I cannot imagine how scary that must have been. Um, But I will tell anybody, if you ever have to shelter in place at the Brookfield Zoo, try to do so in the building with their Binturong exhibit. It smells wonderful, like buttered popcorn, of course. And uh, there are some really amazing animals in there. Highly recommend it. But even better, let's stop being a country where we all keep having to shelter in place because of threats of other humans. Just a thought. And speaking of scary incidents at zoos, the Lincoln Children's Zoo in Lincoln, Nebraska uh, reported a couple days ago that an incident occurred at their outdoor giraffe feeding deck, resulting in a guest injury caused by a member of the giraffe herd. Uh, As of this time, they have not updated the situation, but it sounds like somebody got hurt by a giraffe. Uh, This was, I think, two days before Independence Day, so July 2nd. And, um, yeah, I'm curious to hear what happened, but, uh, it seems like all of the giraffes are fine and, and that's really what we care about. So, uh, I'm, I'm glad that nobody was hurt and it sounds like the, well, nobody in the herd, obviously a human was, but whatever. But, and I'm glad that the staff again, did a great job of helping out with that situation and keeping the herd safe. And speaking of the giraffe herd at the Lincoln Children's Zoo, there is a baby giraffe there who is named Kay, and when she was born earlier this year, she was unable to be fed by her mother. Because she wasn't able to get this early mother's milk, she wasn't able to get colostrum, which is incredibly important to developing an immune system and being able to prevent illness and things like that. So over the next day or two, she actually did develop a severe infection and became very ill. And that's when, right down the road, Omaha's Henry Dorley Zoo stepped in with their 14-year-old giraffe named Jawara, who was already working with his trainers to give blood. He actually had only recently started giving reliable blood draws in the last months before the baby was born, but that was good enough. When this went down, they were able to collect plasma from Jawara and take it directly to baby K, who is now healthy and growing and was able to overcome her infection. This is just a great example of, you know, Zeus working together, doing the thing. I love it. And speaking of working together with zoos, you can now help Woodland Park Zoo design their new exhibit. So I mentioned on Zoo News recently that they're setting up this incredible new exhibit that is going to feature red pandas and tree kangaroos, amongst other animals, and um, my heart can barely contain the excitement. Now, the exhibit isn't going to open until 2026, so my heart will have to contain its excitement for a couple of years at least. But one of the cool things that they're doing is they are actively working on designing the new exhibit right now. And they are letting guests or just fans reach out at zoo.org slash forests for all slash survey And uh, you can take a survey to influence how the Forests for All project will look, feel, and contribute to the community and conservation. This is an awesome way to get your voice heard by an incredible zoo that, I also have to remind you again, has the single greatest website of any zoo, zoo zoo.org. I'm going to take a minute now to report on another... Death at the uh, Columbus Zoo. And again, I just need to point out Columbus is an amazing facility. They do incredible work. Um, they're also just very transparent about what's going on with their collection. And so sometimes I feel like I tend to report more deaths there than at any other zoo, but that's in part just because they actually tell you when their animals die. Um, and this one, this one hurts. Uh, unfortunately, back on June 27th, The Tasmanian devil known as Sprout passed away at the Columbus Zoo. When Sprout started to show signs of illness, the team anesthetized him, and they discovered that um, Sprout had an abnormal heart rhythm called AV block, which prevents the electrical signals from conducting normally through tissues in the body. Um, This is a condition that is known to happen in Tasmanian devils from time to time, uh, and unfortunately, the cause is currently unknown. Um, The team, of course, reached out to specialists and and did everything that they could. They even, and this is amazing, um, they scheduled Sprout for an emergency pacemaker placement. Again, this is why I love the veterinary teams at zoos. They'll go to any length to save an animal. Unfortunately, Sprout was never able to fully regain consciousness and went into cardiac arrest. Um, now, Sprout was four years old, which might not sound very old to you, but in fact, uh, Tasers tend to live for only about five or six years. So, Sprout was uh, geriatric, and um, Thyme and Mustard, uh, his his uh, sisters, are still at the zoo and are are doing their best to uh, get over this loss and continue to live their lives. Condolences to everyone on the incredible Australia team at the Columbus Zoo. But hey, on a happier note, um, according to measurements made during B.B.'s last ultrasound, and I know you know, but in case you don't know, B.B. is the mother hippo at the Cincinnati Zoo, mother of world-famous Fiona, who is now pregnant again. So according to measurements made during her last ultrasound, the fetus is now bigger than Fiona was when she was born, and the hippo team is optimistic that the baby will be born within the normal birth window. As a matter of fact, Baby Watch for Bibi has just now officially commenced at the Cincinnati Zoo. And speaking of babies, a new red panda cub has been born at Zoo Lotz in Poland. This is really exciting. Parents, Ophelia and Othello, are doing well. And uh, I'm just glad that this, unlike Othello, isn't a tragedy. Congrats to our new little Polish panda. And speaking of pandas, which is what I'm normally doing, uh the Smithsonian National Zoo has announced that three new pandas, Scarlet, Xena, and Taizong, have arrived at their Front Royal Virginia campus to breed and also be studied by conservation scientists. Now, the uh the Front Royal campus is known for their red panda breeding, and uh, this is just really exciting. I'm glad that they got three new pandas, and they're going to help, you know, build the population and do all the nerdy science things that they do. Uh, I also really hope that eventually I get through to their PR team properly so I can go and visit these pandas. I mean, talk about them on the podcast and share the amazing work they're doing. Why can't we have both? Our friends at Odyssey Aquarium, and you're going to hear a couple of episodes from there coming up soon. This is a wonderful aquarium uh, located in Scottsdale, Arizona, right outside of Phoenix. Um, They are doing something kind of cool. They have loaned four animals to the Toledo Zoo because they feel like some landlocked Midwesterners deserve to experience California sea lions. Therefore, Sky and Penny and two juveniles, Storm and Phoenix, have been sent to Toledo, where they are opening a new sea lion exhibit and are going to allow people who don't normally get to see California sea lions to see California sea lions. I guess they'll be California... Seen lions. Okay, I killed the story with that one. But anyway, this is really cool and just another great example of how zoos and aquariums work together to educate the public on cool animals. Yay! Okay, so one of my general rules of safari is we don't really talk about Tiger King. Not because it's like Fight Club and I participate and I'm not allowed to talk about it. But just because I really kind of hate that that whole thing exists. However... I will say this, federal indictments have come down against Doc Antle, one of the characters, if you will, of the Tiger King documentary, who is also owner and, I guess, the person in charge of the Myrtle Beach Safari. This is a roadside zoo of the worst kind. The four charges include money laundering and wildlife trafficking. So uh, let's see here. With the wildlife, um, they were accused of illegally trafficking lemurs, cheetahs, and a chimpanzee. And also that they laundered half a million dollars uh, that they got from moving illegal workers across the Mexican border and then using the money to buy animals off the books. Um, Interesting side note, uh, you know, I normally like – movies that have animals in them, but Doc Antle is actually the person who provided animals for Ace Ventura Pet Detective, Dr. Doolittle, and Mighty Joe Young. So, gross. Anyway, these are just indictments, and he is obviously innocent until proven guilty, and I certainly look forward to the time that that, hopefully, happens, because this totally is stuff that he did, dot, 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 allegedly. But let's end our Zoo News segment with a segment that doesn't make me want to throw up in my mouth because of the existence of a certain docu-series. Um, The Brevard Zoo in Florida has recently released five juvenile Florida grasshopper sparrows into their natural range. Florida grasshopper sparrows are very, very much in trouble right now because of non-native fire ants and um, the lack of high-quality habitat, and uh, they're only found in a few small areas of central and south Florida where they have lost around 85% of their natural habitat to agriculture. So naughty ants and naughty humans are causing these birds to disappear, and now there is a push, especially at some Florida zoos, to try to reintroduce them. These five sparrows are um, individuals from the first two clutches of eggs ever done at Brevard Zoo, and there is more to come. It is still grasshopper sparrow breeding season, and uh, they only stay with their parents for 21 days before they are taken to their behind-the-scenes area to function as birds, learn how to live in the wild, and then get released. So congratulations to the Brevard Zoo team for this incredible reintroduction. Cannot wait to see all of the other amazing sparrows that get released into Florida because of the work y'all are doing. Stereotypical animal podcast theme song. Conservation News. All right. So we're going to start off with uh, Americans being American and um, talk about the fact that last week was the 4th of July, also known as Independence Day in America. And... um, this is just a day where, right in the middle of you know, plastic-free July, um, our country comes together to be total arses, and uh, and we were wildly successful this year. Uh, the the fifth of July is known as the dirtiest beach day of the year because people just go to the beach for the holiday weekend and then leave trash everywhere, especially single-use plastics. So it kind of goes from plastic-free July to plasticky July. Uh, and then on top of that, the 4th of July has all those great fireworks, uh, displays. And unfortunately those fireworks end up scaring the hell out of wildlife and the debris often falls, especially the oceanside fireworks into the ocean where it can, uh, be eaten or, you know, poison the animals that are there. And so just a friendly reminder that, um, that one holiday where, where we celebrate Independence Day, the way that we do it is so detrimental to uh, wildlife, animals. There's so much littering. There's there's so much bad that happens because of it um, that, you know, it's just worth mentioning because here we are in the middle of a month where even people I know that aren't that into conservation are like, oh, cool, Plastic Free July. That's that's a thing that I've heard of. I'll, I'll try that and then – Independence Weekend happens. So uh, yeah, just I guess something to keep in the back of your mind for for the future. And while we're talking about America – uh, the Supreme Court not only created a big stir with the whole "Hey, there's no more federal protection of abortion" thing, but also has curbed the Environmental Protection Agency's ability to broadly regulate carbon emissions from existing power plants. Uh, this is a huge issue and and creates a lot of problems uh, for the Biden administration's attempt to slash uh, emissions, um, and you know flies in the face of what climate scientists are telling us needs to be done to avoid even more catastrophic changes from global warming and climate change. And as a side note, um, did you know that there is a difference between global warming and climate change? I hear people use the terms interchangeably all the time, and there's even a debate over the the messaging around uh, climate change when it first happened and uh, it came out and everyone was talking about global warming and then a bunch of people who don't believe in it would stand in the snow the first time it snowed and say, huh, global warming, Bah. and uh, thought that was somehow a great scientific argument. But anyway, um, there is actually a difference and I think it's kind of worth mentioning. So global warming is the gradual progression of warming of our planet that, that happens um, – both naturally and due to human interference, and uh, you know that that is a problem. And then climate change is the actual effect that that happens to the climate and the weird weather patterns. And, and again, there is a difference between weather and climate as well. We won't go too far down this hole, but climate change is the stuff that we're seeing. Happen is the best way I can think to say it, so there there 's crazy flooding in Australia right now, which was going to be my next story but um, you know and that is probably related to climate change and uh, is is a symptom. Uh, that is a symptom of global warming, but it's not global warming itself. And I just think it's important to understand that they are two different, though super interconnected things, and you can, you can Google and find out more detail here. But uh, I just I think it's important to know the right terms and, and use them. So yeah, there is a difference. And uh, whether you're worried about global warming or climate change or both, they're going to get significantly worse, thanks to the United States Supreme Court. Oh, and on a side note, I'm commenting on this because of the um, whole, you know, global warming, climate change reason. And yeah, it matters. But also, if if you're an American and you look at this case, um, it can not only have ramifications for the climate and for conservation and for animals, including human animals. But also um, it really kind of changes the scope of what the federal government can actually have agencies do. And this is this is going to be really kind of scary um, just for having a government that's supposed to keep its people safe. So if that is something that you care about, you might want to look into this as well. On a happier legislative story, um, a federal judge in California has overturned a Trump administration move from 2019 uh, that existed simply to gut the Endangered Species Act. Uh, so all of the changes that were put into place have now been wiped out. And the end result of this is that there are now Endangered Protection Act protections that are being restored to hundreds of species. Some of the changes that the Trump administration put into effect included uh, changing how long it takes for a species to be considered for protection, making it significantly longer, and also the requirements for whether a species qualifies for federal protections at all. And while this is a win for endangered species and even just like threatened species and such in the United States, it's... (sighs) It's kind of, I have to temper the joy about it. It's really good news. It really is. Um, but when, uh, President Biden was elected, he claimed that he was going to make these changes right away and that he was going to do it himself through the, uh, through the administration. And then absolutely nothing happened. So a coalition of environmental groups, including Earth Justice and the Center for Biological Diversity, um, and actually the state of California itself um, sued the Biden administration, uh, petitioning them in court to roll back the changes. And that that hadn't happened yet uh, when this judge came through. Um, but, yeah, the uh, Fish and Wildlife Service, which oversees all of this, uh, basically just didn't do anything. And so now the uh, judicial branch stepped in and did what the executive branch promised to do on its own, which is uh, not great, y'all. It's, it's great that this happened, and it's great that it's for a good cause, but this is the exact problem that that comes with the Supreme Court right now being an activist court, okay? Uh, activist courts are a problem in this country, even when the end result is something that we all like. So it's it's a good good outcome from a yet another bad story about the U.S. government. On a happier note, the Frontier Fund, uh, which is funded by major tech firms, has selected six startups uh, to help fund. And what makes these startups unique is that they are – Uh, all startups that are working on carbon capture. Now, the idea of carbon capture is basically that um, you can capture carbon directly from the air or through enhanced rock weathering or synthetic biology. And this is how, if you've ever heard of a company going carbon neutral, that when they talk about buying carbon credits, that's the idea. So they are funding these these companies that capture the extra carbon out of the air and such and if the money all works out they can remain carbon neutral And now some companies such as Microsoft are trying to get to the point of being carbon zero, meaning that they will fund so much carbon capture that they will not only undo all of their current damage to the environment uh, through increasing their their carbon output. But also pay for enough capture to remove all of the carbon that they've ever put into the atmosphere. Uh, I am not enough of a true scientist to – know whether this makes sense it it kind of does and kind of doesn't to me but regardless the the carbon that has been put out there is already out there but like hey cool try to do something try to make it better um but yeah so carbon capture is a big deal right now and uh also carbon storage what do you do with it once you've captured it to make sure that it's not leaking into our environment so um it's pretty cool that six new startups are getting funded by tech companies to help with this process The EU uh, has a new law that says that all fossil fuel-based car sales must be phased out by 2035. This includes hybrid cars, which the EU does not believe delivers sufficient emissions cuts. And in general, this is just great news for the planet. Um, The law actually also includes a 59 billion euro fund to help ease the cost burden of switching to electric cars uh, on low income earners, which is just awesome. I love that. And speaking of plastics, uh, there's a lot of laws happening right now about plastics. Let's talk about them. Uh, California has passed a law to reduce single-use plastic packaging by a 25 percent In um, foodware accessories and other packaging areas by 2032, mandating that at least 10% of single-use plastic packaging and utensils either be entirely plastic-free or to shift from single-use to a reuse and refill system. India has also banned some single-use or disposable plastic products, including plastic cups and straws, as part of a federal plan to phase them out. The plan has focused on 19 plastic items that aren't particularly useful but have a high potential to become litter, and it has made them illegal to produce, import, stock, distribute, or sell. That is that's that's big. That's a big step. And I'm really proud of the government in India for making that happen. The Department of the Interior of the United States has announced a plan to reduce and then halt the use of single-use plastics in national parks and other public lands by 2032. So that's pretty exciting. Um, right now, there are uh, 480 million acres of public lands and 750 million acres of marine national monuments in the U.S. And um, they will all be plastic-free or at least single-use plastic-free, by 2032. Um, You know, and for those of you who are hearing all these plastic stories and kind of wondering why this matters so much, uh, plastics make up over 18% of all trash in the U.S., and uh, less than 6% of it is recycled. And plastics, as you guys know, break down slowly and leak into the environment and cause all kinds of huge issues. So this this is really good news. In less good news, um, for the last seven years, the Alabama Deep Sea Fishing Rodeo has not had a shark kill category, but it's now coming back. The shark category will include tiger, bull, great hammerhead, scalloped hammerhead, and blacktip sharks. Both great and scalloped hammerhead sharks uh, are... Endangered, critically endangered, according to the IUCN Red List, and black tips are threatened. I don't understand how this is legal, um, but I guess it is, and so – yeah, some of this gets really crazy too. Um the University of South Alabama School of Marine and Environmental Sciences professor Sean Powers is the head rodeo judge. So a professor of marine and environmental sciences is okay with the killing of endangered species. Cool. Things are going great here, guys. Things are going great. I'm I'm sorry that this this uh This segment has such a negative bent to it, especially towards what's going on in the United States right now, but that is largely because um, I have a negative bent towards what is going on in the United States right now because uh, from an environmental and other perspective, uh, it kind of sucks right now. Speaking of America sucking right now, uh, fish in Florida are currently testing positive for pharmaceuticals at a ridiculous rate. Uh, It it turns out that um, fish that are are caught off the coast of Florida are currently testing positive for antidepressants, prostate medications, antibiotics, and pain relievers. Uh, This is partially because human wastewater makes its way out to sea and partially because people are dumping drugs directly into – waterways that go out to the sea so um yeah for those of you who eat seafood something to consider and for those of you who don't also something to consider although i guess it's nice to think that there might be a fish out there that was suffering from depression uh possibly because of listening to conservation news here and uh is is now doing mildly better because it got drugs question mark yeah probably not okay but let's end this on a happier story The American Martin, which is a gorgeous larger relative of weasels and minks, is being considered by the Pennsylvania Board of Game Commissioners to be reintroduced into Pennsylvania. Um, So back in the early 1900s, the American Martin was extirpated from Pennsylvania by deforestation and unregulated harvest. In other words, humans were humans, y'all. Um, and while uh, they have been gone since then, the Board of Game Commissioners is strongly considering doing a reintroduction program that would likely be successful and would be an appropriate next step in the commission's history of species restoration because they have already restored bald eagle and fisher populations to the state. So see that, friends? It's it's not all bad. Just, you know, mostly this <laughs> week. Sorry about that. In, other news. In South Africa, two killer whales have been seen killing great white sharks off the coast, uh, causing them to flee the area. Um, it seems that the orcas have particularly developed a taste for shark livers and will kill the shark and then just eat the liver. Now, these two killer whales, uh, even though it's just two of them, are having such an impact that it is actually changing the entire marine ecosystem in the area because uh, a lot of the sharks that, that live in the area are just emigrating elsewhere where there isn't a pair of orcas trying to kill them. The absence of great whites in the area, which you might be thinking sounds pretty darn cool, is hurting the tourist industry um, because people would travel to this area of South Africa to cage dive with great whites. But more importantly – Uh, has caused the emergence of bronze whaler sharks uh, to come out as the new mid-ranking predator in the ecosystem. And the uh, bronze whaler sharks are also being attacked by the duo of orcas. And um, because of that, both those and great whites are not around nearly as much, which is hurting because the Cape fur seal population is exploding. And if that continues, there is a concern that the uh, seal. Will overconsume the critically endangered African penguins in the area. That's how all this stuff works. And uh, yeah, this is all coming from two orcas. And and in case you're wondering, no, uh, most orcas do not eat sharks. But there actually is a morphotype that does. Uh, it's really rare, and it's believed that these orcas are part of that morphotype. But uh, we have not been able to confirm that at this time. If they are not, it definitely leads to a question of why they've started doing this, and and does this have something to do with other food not being as readily available for them? And is this something that somehow humans and climate change have yet again screwed up? It seems to be the trend, but uh, it's hard to say. But for right now, it's it's kind of crazy because you know one of the one of the funny things is that uh, orcas are are called killer whales, uh, but it's it's a misnomer. They, they were originally called whale killers because they could kill whales. Um, so now maybe they need to be called killer sharks, which kind of makes sense anyway oh. All right, and uh, here's your friendly reminder that we are in July, and July is Parks and Recreation Month, Plastic-Free July, National Bison Month, and Wild About Wildlife Month. Now, for your holidays for the week, we're in the middle of a big gap between the 3rd and the 12th, but when we get to the 12th, it is Cow Appreciation Day! So make sure that you send your love to Jilly at Cape May and all the other wonderful cows around. And that's it for this week. Although I'll tell you what, on the 14th, we're going to have multiple animal days again. Keep needing to point out that we do this poorly. And there you have it, folks. Another week of Rasafari Zoo News is in the books. I'd like to say thanks to Laura Shank, my Red Panda-level patron, and uh, also to everyone who contributed stories this week. Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Jacob Newman, Dylan Hoy, Megan Barrett, Liz Dunlevy, Dr. Zoe Vesley gross Crystal Chapman, and Kerry Kirkpatrick. Thank you all for your contributions. And hey, before I go, I just want to say I know, I know that there was a lot of bleak stuff this week, and, and sometimes there is. And I know that um, outside of Zoo News, there was a lot of a lot of bleak stuff in the world, and and in the United States especially this this last week or so. And um, you know, it sucks. I hate it. I don't have anything wise or better than that to say. That uh, it's a tough time right now. But um, I think it's really good to remember that good things are happening there there are pandas being born and there are um judges and and people even in the government who are doing their best for the world right now uh but also so are we even just by making this podcast i can make a small difference and even by listening and learning and and maybe even talking to others about what you hear on here you too are making a small difference but you know small differences, they can add up together to become one huge difference. And, and that's what we need to do in a lot of different ways right now. So, uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, at least there can be some humor, like some idiot saying, ha ha, Steiderk, The Rossafari podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi editing and fact checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley gross. Our theme song is sevens by Nathan Burke performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at Rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.